Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. I'm excited for tonight's episode. This is uh, this is going to be a barn burner, I think. This is something we haven't <laughs> done before. Uh, usually we bring on like the most expert of experts for these shows. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, well, I don't want to I don't want to bury the lead too much, but we have we have a great guest on this week. We do, we do. Uh bring in it in as our art expert uh we have dakota dakota how are you doing i'm great thank you for asking and thank you both so much for having me as a guest dakota knows nothing about magic other than just vaguely that it exists and i told her to not not look at any magic at all so she comes (laughs) in completely you know with innocent eyes uh, first impressions only. And well, um, so, so you don't feel too much out of place, Dakota. I don't know a whole lot about magic either. You've more than playing <laughs> it for many, many years, so don't don't get too don't get too intimidated. Yeah, there's a difference between na- naivety and incompetence, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what you do know a lot about, uh, Dakota, which is why we asked you to come on tonight, is you do know a fair bit about art. So running down some of your accomplishments here, you kind of started your career, you started off as a uh, curator's assistant at the Harvard University Art Museum, then you moved on up to the MFA in Bos Museum of Fine Arts, uh, where you curated exhibitions at the Museum of Fine Arts, and now uh, you're working for the Public Art Fund in New York City. Tonight's episode, instead of dead artists, Pat, in museums, we're going to focus on new art because... Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes magic, is actually one of the most prolific uh, employers of artists out there. Um, Wizards basically comes out with, I think, about around about a thousand cards a year when you get all the sets. So, and they're commissioning art for most of them. Sometimes they reuse art when it's reprints, but I would say over ninety percent of the art that Wizards publishes is is commissioned that year. So, you know, they're they're commissioning close to a thousand new pieces of work of art each year. And because magic has been around for 30 years now, there's over 100,000 different pieces of magic art. That's fascinating. And one of the cool things about magic art is that you see a lot of different mediums too, right? Like originally it was a lot of like oil stuff and you know actual physical art, but now we see a lot of digital art done for, yep. the, for the game as well. Yeah, and then there's still artists who still like working in the physical mediums of oil mm-hmm. and acrylics. And you know those are some of the... the fans uh favorites so big time yeah big time uh i reached out to our audience uh dakota and i asked them to submit in the the 30 years of magic's history uh what some of the best and some of the worst (laughs) in magic's 30 years of history uh we're gonna do an art review tonight and to make it a little fun the name of the game is uh after each art piece that we review we will be uh taking a shot or a drink (laughs) Before we get into it, though, I just want to give you a little bit of background in magic, just to give you an idea of the theme of the color pie, because that actually play is really important to magic as a game and also just kind of the art direction. So 
our listeners are going to roll their eyes at this, but real quick, there's five primary colors in magic, uh, white, blue, black, red, and green. And they represent the five different kind of emotions, more or less of, of magic. So white is organization and morality. Blue is curiosity and wisdom. Black is selfishness and death. Red is emotion and impulsiveness. Green is instinct and nature. And then how those colors mix together is kind of how you get the more nuances of the game. So, for example, if you take the emotion of red and the wisdom of uh, blue, you end up with invention and experimentation. If you take the nature of green and then death of black, you end up with the life cycle of decay and regrowth. Wow. So it sounds complicated. It's not as complicated as as it as it sounds uh but yeah it's it's and it's pretty rel- it's pretty evident when you start to play the game right jerry yeah it becomes yeah. pretty re- relevant i just wanted to give you that little bit of background no that's that great does- i have a couple questions already is that okay yes. i'm sorry yes. um <laughs> so we're gonna talk to you about the attack step now <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that means but <laughs> so for listeners jerry sent me an episode that would be like a good preview of what this all is oh and god i I gave it a try, but honestly, it sounded like an, an entire other language to me. I had no idea totally. what was going on. So, um, but I did want to <laughs> go ahead. I got to know what episode did you send her, Jerry? I sent her the one that we did with Connor, where we did the. There was very little magic in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you know, it's fine. She just got like five minutes and was like, I can't just with these fucking nerds. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Well, I understand that. I mean, there's clearly a whole culture around it. There are tournaments and it's, yeah, you travel. Amazing. It's great. But okay. So back to my question, I see that there's white, but then there's also like this, it's actually a yellow zone. So yeah, white's kind of this interest. So white. So also with the five colors is the geography. So green is forest, obviously black is swamps. Blue is islands or water, obviously. White got plains, so white gets, like, the yellow grass plains. Gotcha. Yeah, that is kind of confusing on the color pie. It says white, and then it's just clearly yeah, it is, yeah. yellow on the yeah. color pie. They're like, they're like, we don't want to change, like, the, we don't want to make it, like, a black text. So, yeah, that's pretty bad. Okay. Well, I think I can work with this. This is very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm going to pour my first drink as we get into our I'm really excited drink. because so much of what Jerry and I talk about when we talk about art, so we're all nerds, right? In this especially in this in this game. Like every, all of us is a, a pretty pretty big nerd to a certain extent and you know, we we all tend to say, you know, we have opinion on art, but like really it just comes down to this painting is bad or like <laughs> this picture is good. So oh, yeah, it'd be I interesting guess... to have a real expert on to talk to us about why it is good or, or maybe bad, you know, a, a little bit more objective than I don't like the way this is made. Yeah. So we all have our object. Like that's the big thing with, I feel art critics is like art is subjective. Um, it really totally. depends on the person, but so like what would as a, as a curator, as an, an art professional, what do you look for in a quote unquote good piece of art? Ooh, that's a really good question. So I guess I would say I come from a background in art history and fine art. And what little I know about magic is that magic often approaches their um, visual representation more as illustrations. So Mm. um, they come into their commission with a sort of prompt right so they know ahead of time the color right 
Yeah. Am, I mean, I'm asking, am I getting this right? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So basically the way, <laughs> the way art creation works is usually the company goes, all right, we want you to design this. Here's a vague idea of what the card does. Here's the color it represents. Make us an art that you think represents it. And it depends. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they'll give them like two paragraphs. Sometimes they'll give them a sentence. Right. And it works together with text too, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're all these are all on cards and these cards have different effects in the game. And usually the art is representing. It's basically giving you your visual cue of, you know, what is supposed to be happening when you play that card in the game. Right. So to go back to your question, what do I look for in a great work of art? I think that I'm personally drawn to something that's conceptually strong. So even if the execution isn't perfect, if they're not a master draftsman, um, you can tell that they had an idea that somehow got to... like the core of humanity. I mean, that's that's like the most. Uh, wow, we're going real into pre- oh, pretend. I know. So screwed on this episode. <laughs> no, but what is life? What I what I mean by that is they're doing something that's relevant to their times, to the people who would be looking at the work of art that maybe touch on either an emotion or an idea that would be really hard to put your finger on in words. Um, and something that is aware of what came before it. So I think that in that way, it's maybe similar to like, I don't know, academia, where you would never write a, you know, a dissertation that had already been done. You would do all your research and you would know, I'm going to reference this author and this author and this author. And by incorporating those ideas, you actually make your, in this case, artwork stronger. So I think that when I walk through a museum, I can look at a work of art and say, oh, this artist is big time referencing Picasso. And they're doing it a way that's sort of like turning it on its head or doing something really new with it that makes it exciting and fresh, but also shows me that this artist has done their homework. And they're looking to... um you know, move into new territory with their art in that way. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah, it totally. Does. We okay. actually, it's, it's, I think it's the third or fourth piece we're going to look at tonight, but uh, there's a piece by Seb McKinnon that we're going to want uh, look that I think encapsulates that perfectly. Yeah, and he is like, uh, we'll probably give a little bit of background on all the artists too, right, Jerry? And just sort of yeah. how they're viewed by the community. There are, there uh, are artists who just churn out every, you know, works for every set. And there are some who yeah. have been revered, I mean, really revered artists, um, uh, so we have, I think we have a great, Jerry has a great selection here to, to choose from. So I'm really excited. Well, it's amazing. Like, so I'm in, um, the magic art Facebook group for Ma- magic art collectors mm-hmm. and my jaw hits the floor sometimes when I see some of these pieces go up for sale and they're selling for 20, 30, 40, 50, a hundred thousand wow. dollars for these pieces of art. Um, so yeah, there are definitely artists in, in that, that produce for wizards of the coast that are just amazing artists and they, they turn out some great work that are really highly valued. Mm-hmm. Um, should we get into it? Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited. Right. Me too. Are we doing, are we doing the shot before or after the piece? Ooh, good question. Um, I think, I think post piece would be good, right? Post piece. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. I'm going to take All a right. sip right now for good measure. <laughs> Me too. Me too. All right. All right. Well, I'll do my first shot. then. <laughs> Woo. Uh, woo. 
Uh, oh, fun fact. Oh, I actually do learned... not drink vodka straight very often. Dude, I went food shopping today and I forgot to get mixers. <laughs> sounds like a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Huge or chasers. Nope. No oh. mixers, no chasers. That's You're being cruel to yourself. I have not had vodka straight, like, straight up in a long time. <laughs> there was a great college band uh, when I was around the plate at the, at the bar that their name was No Chasers. Thought it was a great, it was a great <laughs> I love name. that. <laughs> All right. Oh, but fun fact I learned while getting this art together is for the first set of Magic... Because it was a brand new game just starting off, all the art in Alpha was commissioned from a local art school. So it was just the art students at this local art school. And they're just like, hey, we'll give you like a hundred bucks to paint these different things. Yeah, ma- Magic came from very humble beginnings. It's a multi million dollar company. I mean, maybe I, I would say I, billion. I it's a yeah, I mean, multi million dollar company now. Um, but uh, when it, you know, it's it's it, when it first started, it was like. Just like Microsoft or Apple in its beginning days where it's run out of a garage and was scraping by with just the bare minimum. And um, so I think uh, especially Alpha was like a very much a labor of love from Richard Garfield and designers. So um, I think, yeah, I think Jerry nailed it on the on the head there. It's uh, limited resources when it comes to when it comes <laughs> to getting artists. So uh, we'll see some pretty rough stuff in here, which is going to be exciting. Yep. And our first piece was actually our by far and away the most requested piece from our listeners. It's what one of a, my favorite it, arts. This is a polarizing art, in my opinion, because I it, look at this and submitted. think, yeah, go ahead. I, I look at this and I think this is like the, exactly what I said before. This is bad. <laughs> That's what I see. It. That's what I think. But, but uh, thing, let's... This, this piece was submitted both by people for being a representation of some of the best magic art and also submitted by people as being one of the worst magic. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, so this is story, but. Yeah, oh, yeah so go ahead. We're, we're doing uh, Stasis by Faye Jones, which, fun fact, was actually Richard Garfield, the guy who created the game. It was his aunt. His aunt was apparently an established artist, and as a favor to her nephew, she did this art for Stasis, which mm-hmm. uh, was in the one of the first sets of the game. So this is actually one of the only pieces in... Uh, alpha commissioned by an actual professional artist. Do we want to talk about a bit of the effect of the card? Like, not exactly what it does, but kind of the effect of it. So... This this card basically stops people from playing the game essentially, or or slows it to a it standstill. It to a halt. Yeah, yeah, the whole hmm. it, it stasis is like you are in stasis. You are you can't do anything. Yeah, so it's a it can be a very frustrating card to play against. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the basis of this card. So I'm, I'm interested I'm, to hear your thoughts. I'm guessing it's in the blue category. You nailed it. Yes. You yeah, it. nailed it. Okay, <laughs> gut reaction. I love this so much thank you vindication you heard it professionals are saying i want a second opinion i want a second opinion (laughs) um like i could see this on the walls of moma for sure it's there's something about it that's very enigmatic and surrealist i think that um the composition is really interesting and by that i mean the way the figures are oriented to the picture plane like you know there's a certain amount of flat flatness to it that seems very intentional. Like, I don't think that this is an artist who doesn't know what they're doing. There's like the subtle shading on the belly of this. I don't know what it is like a kangaroo the fox person. Thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. Kangaroo, <laughs> um, <yep. laughs> uh, but it seems to be, an image that's all about balance and they're standing on something that looks like a scale, right? But they're, it feels like something that's on the brink of collapsing, which I think is, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of tension in it. But again, 
it's called stasis. And I think that's a fitting name because it seems frozen in this moment. Like this uh, palette is hovering somehow. Uh, I'm noticing that the little dots on the palette seem to evoke like the dots on the magic card. By the way, Whoa, what is I up with that? that? I never realized that before I either. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that. What? <laughs> Guys, what is up with That's the front of the, the magic card? Can you can you tell me well, how they came up with that design? Maybe I don't actually know that, but that might be actually be why it was the case. Yeah. It's also interesting that you say this tension and that it's on like the brink of collapse because that's also reminiscent of the card too. The effect of the card is it grinds everything to a halt, but you have to pay a cost every turn and that cost starts getting more and more difficult to uh, pay. So Mm. like when you say like the art represents something on the brink of collapse, it's funny how that represents the card itself just from like a, a more intangible aspect. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is a card that's begging to be read in a lot of different ways. It seems like something someone came up with from a dream, but there is a lot that can be projected onto it, right? So you've got like this clown that's white, (laughs) sort of sad, and his eyes are closed, and he's leaning forward, which would maybe be um, a kind of like reverential posture. You've got this kangaroo who's holding up something that I don't know, might be a gift, but they're blindfolded, which makes me think they're like a hostage or something. Hmm. I think I thought it was a cheese wheel. <laughs> oh, well, that could still be a gift, Jerry. I would not be upset if someone gifted I would say me a no cheese to, wheel. Yeah, cheese wheel gift is a great gift. You know how expensive cheese is? It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I feel people don't like this card and they they use it as an example of bad magic art because its technique seems very simple. Like mm. if you don't know what you're looking for, if this feels like something that a third grader would draw. Yeah. So one of the things I I don't like about the art and like you'll see we'll we'll have some and we'll kind of give you um sort of uh a whereabouts on the magic timeline these arts this art was made so like this is from one like the first this is set. from the first yeah the so first this is set, back in right? 1993 um but we'll see you know pieces of art that come all the way up to 2020 well they're probably commissioned in 2019 but um we'll have art that comes you know in the in the most recent few months um and what, when i look at this card like what bother i guess what i don't like about it is how simple it is i mean one of the interesting things to note about magic art is that, you know, while we're looking out on a screen here and these pieces could be really as large as the artist wants to make them, they eventually have to fit in a window that's only two and a half inches by three and a half inches. Right. And so I think that, re- yeah, I think that really um, uh, it puts a pretty major constraint on the artist because there's only so much you can fit into that window with so much detail to mm-hmm. bring artwork down that much. Um, so they're always kind of working within those constraints. And I guess, you know, Honestly, seeing the five colors of magic on the palette blew my mind. I really like. I'm, it's kind of it's kind of like setting me back to be honest with you because I've seen this art. I've seen this art literally hundreds of times and have never picked up on that. So that's very impressive. But thank uh, you. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Here, the other thing I think we have to pay attention to is this: the lighter blue in the center that goes down yeah, below the scale, and then everywhere else it's this darker blue. That is not mm-hmm. unintentional. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but I will say. It almost looks like it's coming from his face and then mm-hmm. underneath the scale, it, like this little like projection of the darker blue along the bottom mm-hmm. here 
seems to be echoing the shape of the, I'm just going to say kangaroos kneeling legs, which is sort Mm -hmm. of weird. So I -hmm. think that this artist was maybe more concerned with puzzling their viewer uh, than they were about creating like a very beautiful, harmonious kind of uh, image for you to look at. But I I totally hear you about it not being great on a smaller scale because I'm looking at it on my screen and it's way mm-hmm. uh, zoomed in. Um, and you can see the brush strokes, which is really interesting, too. But. I've never seen that for what it's worth. I've only ever seen it on a card. So seeing it a little bit bigger, I, I will say, does impress me a little bit more, Jerry. So this is a great pick to start <laughs> off with. I feel like I'm coming around a little bit on this piece of art, actually. <laughs> I, I will also. We should let our listeners know for uh, for Dakota. We're actually only showing her the art itself. Right. Uh, we cut out the card and the text so it wouldn't and the frame because that's another big thing is the frame of the card actually oh. has a really big effect on the on the art itself, um, and will actually color your perceptions of it. And and, um, and re, like we said, re, re, it resizes some of the some of the artwork too. Like you right. know, sometimes you can't shrink it down. You know uh, to you know uh, equilaterally or however you want to say it. In proportion to be, you know, the correct ratio to make it that that two and a half by three and a half window. So, do you happen to know if the artists choose the frames that they have around their artwork? No, no, the company chooses the frames. Oh, interesting. And it's it's just the frame of the actual card. It's not like a like a picture frame. It's a something that frames the entire outside of the card, and, and that is determined by the company. And that I mean, it's definitely in the color. They probably know the color pie that they're yeah, in. Yeah, they'll know what color the frame is, but that's... And I mean, I guess if they're more aware of the game, they can sort of get an idea, but I don't think it's something most artists take into account that right. much. Or maybe yeah. they do. Okay. I don't know. Um, awesome. Well, I great. really we like heard this here one for, a lot. We heard it here first. The expert says the stasis art is good. We're putting that debate <laughs> to rest. All right, all right, yeah. Stasis <laughs> art, good. Pat, wrong. All right, let's go. All right. Here we go. Drink. Drink number two. Oh yeah, drink number two. I just scrolled down okay. to the next one. So, so Jerry, you want me to give a little? You want me to give a little background uh, on this guy? Hell, yeah. this is the one I was talking about in the intro that uh, alludes and is aware of its past. This is, I, yeah, good. Tell it. Tell us about Seb McKinnon, Pat. Okay, hold on. <laughs> oh man. Also, I'm going to preemptively apologize to Justin because our audio quality is probably going to get worse and worse as we become more and more inebriated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like across the room of my apartment <laughs> shouting at the microphone. <laughs> so Seb McKinnon, uh, I actually don't know what nationality he is, but he is like one of. He's become a fan favorite in the last, I would say, five years in Magic, at least since I started, you know, since I came back to the game in 2014. Um, he has been a, a, an absolute fan favorite, and he's known for kind of these otherworldly sort of, um, it kind of reminds me of, a lot of his artwork sort of reminds me of, um, like, Lovecraftian style monsters, things like that. Um, kind of kind of has that edge to it. It's always, like, seems otherworldly um, and mm-hmm. sort of... Um, I don't know. Something makes Ethereal. you feel. Yeah, it makes you feel a little uncomfortable too. I think sometimes with the art, right? Like whenever yeah. you see something that has like these really super long limbs, like, <laughs> and, like I don't know. It's something about that. Like I think in our lizard brains makes us feel uneasy. I'm serious. <laughs> right. I think it makes you feel uneasy, right? Like you look at like Slender Man, right? Like yeah. really not that scary, but like these elongated limbs and like like this, you know, expressionless face is very unnerving to the human mind. I think Seb McKinnon draws on a lot of that. Um, he also just does these really huge landscape. I mean, you can see from the art here. This is a great. This is a great example, Jerry, of his art. Um, but uh, but yeah, I actually don't even know what car this is from. It's at the top. But uh, oh, Soul Herder. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, honestly, the hardest part with choosing this was choosing which Seb McKinnon art to to actually feature because mm-hmm. he has so, so many amazing yes, pieces. Yes, yeah. So this is a guy who I've I think every piece of art I've seen, I've been like, this is a home run. I've always been very very impressed by Seb McKinnon stuff. He, he's probably the most popular artist producing for Magic the game right now. I think so. Yeah, he's got to be up there for sure. Uh, but yeah, so we're looking at Soul Herder by Seb McKinnon, and this is digital art, right, Jerry? I think, and this is done. I believe so. In the I'm last sure. couple years. Yeah, this was about, I think this piece is three or four years old. Yeah. Well, for digital art, it's still very painterly. I mean, I think mm. this is incredible, and I can totally see why this would work for a smaller format, too. I mean, it mm. has very strong contrast. It has a central figure and s- details that you slowly work your way down towards. I mean, it's the long finger is pointing down to a person sort sort of leads your eye there eventually but i think the um the apex of this work is the sun shining where the head should be it's very unsettling but i actually think it's pretty beautifully done um and to me it kind of recalls like some of those great landscape painters of early um you know, like Albert Beardstad, for example, who was like in the 1800s painting the American West or something. It has this very like sweeping landscape and awesome sky. Um, mm. And I love like the the darkness of night and the brightness of dawn or you, whatever it is. You know what's really is. cool about it, too, is like the top of the cloak has this very stark contrast with like the morning sun and what the bottom kind of fades into that night sky. So it's kind of interesting in that sense too. Yeah. Well, I get it. So it's this giant walking across the landscape and the giant's cape or cloak is bringing the night sky. Yeah, It has a very Mm -hmm. like legend style, you know, uh, evocation. I mean, it's terrifying. Um, Right, right? It is but, but sort of. I mean, I don't know what world humans take up in the world of Magic the Game, or ma- uh, sorry, Magic the Gathering. Um, but it looks like there are humans in this that yeah. are like kind of confronting their mortality and trying to run away from it. No, <laughs> is that the professional way of I mean, shitting their pants? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Confronting your mortality. (laughs) Um, For me, when I look at this piece, it really reminds me of the the Salvador Dali painting, the uh, the elephants and the towers. I forget the name of that piece. Oh yeah, but it's the um, like the the elephants and the horses. Isn't it just called elephants? It might be just be called elephants, but with like the super elongated legs, and they're just kind of like marching towards the viewer. Yeah. Yeah, the it's called the elephants. That it's it does it's those it's those long limbs, man. Something about them yeah. is just very um very unnerving. Very and like you can see the front hand, but the back hand, which like this uh you know, the way that this mm, the curvature it's, of this earth, like yeah. you know, we we know that it's not flat earth and magic at least. Um <laughs> it, it, it goes behind the horizon. So this thing is like massive. You can't even see where it's, that's what, where its other hand is, right? Well, that's what I really like about this piece is it really messes with perspective. Mm. So, mm-hmm. like, the sun the sun is also the giant's head, so you can't really tell is, like... Because the giant's leaning forward, so it makes you think that the sun is actually closer than it is. Mm-hmm. But if the sun's actually away in the distance, like, it would be. And then, like, yeah, like you said, like, 
its arms are so long that its arms are fading out into the distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's yeah. I, I so I'm glad you picked this, Jared. Seth McKinnon is one of my favorite artists. He does some phenomenal work. This is a great example of some of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that really this is uh, really um, impressive. And again, like for the smaller format, I like that even at a smaller scale. There's, you know, something that, that kind of like stops you in your tracks, but then it mm-hmm. encourages encourages you to stick with it and move your eye around the composition and continue noticing things. I mean, like now that I've been looking at it for longer, I'm like, at first it was terrifying, but that night sky is so beautiful, mm. and all the sort of like rainbowy effects in the clouds um, on either side of the skeletons, like you know legs that are so bony and creepy but i mean it's it's really incredible yeah i went i went to Seth McKinnon's page just to see if i could find more information on the on the actual painting and i'm looking at all these prints and like it's a shame that we're only able to go over one of his works because i think he really <laughs> loves yeah i know i'd like just, to see more oh like yeah animatu and his his actually his stasis art yeah, His he actually Chalice of the Void are is just really fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's really funny when the company reprinted Stasis, they actually commissioned Seb McKinnon to actually do the new art for the the reprint of the card Stasis. This is the this is the link for Stasis. You can see it there. I put it right behind, beneath the Soul Herder one. Okay, stylistically I don't love this one as much, but oh, interesting. I think compositionally it's really strong. Mm. Um the way that this girl is framed by the swords is really interesting. Like she's clearly the only thing that's like alive in the moment, but Mm -hmm. everything else has been grown over. That's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And again, there's just this like really rich detail. I think light in both of these works is used in a really interesting way where it almost makes things look like they're glowing, not Mm -hmm. just being lit from above. Right. Uh, they have like, like an internal light. Yeah, like this That's guy's bad. bones, right? They're like, huh. I mean, I, I think that. Um, so, okay, what is what's the uh, story behind the girl with the fighting knights that have been a lot of this times? Like these, the uh, so some on some cards, the pictures are linked directly to like the story that they're telling. Other times, they're not, and I don't think I can't think of anything where this is linked to the actual story. I think it's just. It's just a snapshot in time. It's not really part of any story yeah, like, or anything like that. This is not a particular like character or a particular battle. It's just this, you know, the art direction they give them, I think, gives the artists, again, again it depends on the card. Some cards that depict actual characters, they need to follow, you know, obviously, like, the design of the characters and things like that. Um, I think- there, are, there, there are definitely art in the game that's just meant to be almost like a storyboard for mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. Like, they, because they used to release books with each set and... Each set has an overall story that they tell through, um, you know, the game itself, but also through like extra media, like uh, online videos and articles mm. and things like that. So there definitely is a story, and there is definitely art that is commissioned where it's like, here's what's going on in the story. You need to draw this almost like you would give to like a comic book right. uh, designer. Uh, but this piece was just commissioned as just you know, here's a general idea. Give us a piece that represents this general idea. Well, what I can tell you from looking at these two works is that this guy is really interested in creating a work that makes your eye move around continuously. Like he wants Mm -hmm. you to stay with what he's done 
and like absorb all of the smaller details. So when you first look at this, your your eye is immediately drawn to the little girl and the flower because the flower is the brightest point that she's holding, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say this is like an idea of hope and future. She's a young girl. She's holding something that's living and she's looking at it and focused upon it. But then around her, and you see that her arm sort of parallels the uh, line of the sword that's directly behind mm-hmm. her. And that looks like it could just fall on her head at any point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But your eye kind of jumps over to that, and then it becomes an arrow going to this other knight in armor. And he's holding a sword that's also sort of on a parallel. And then back in the background, you see these other swords that are just engaged in battle so it's Mm -hmm. interesting to have this idea of a battle that's been frozen in time and a girl who is sort of like unaware of it and Mm. yet surrounded by it yeah um so there's like this collapsing of time but also of uh i i suppose like modes of thinking about the world like there's the beauty and then there's sort of like carnage of war i'm reading war and peace so i'm maybe channeling that a little bit much right now <laughs> <laughs> i do find that like his like the center character there too has like the most um strongest lines in the artwork whereas everything else is pretty not blurred Ooh. but it's not as as well defined as the center like as the girl in the in the artwork so that's pretty interesting too well it's what i you pointed out that i never really realized is just like how precarious this girl is because if any if this moment in time were to unfreeze like like you said, the sword behind her is like aimed to basically chop her head off as it's mm-hmm. like swinging down. There's this other soldier with basically just about to stab her. Um, just like how precarious she is um, if it wasn't for the fact that everything was just frozen in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and doesn't it make you wonder, like, why is she there? What is she doing? <laughs> get, get, run! Get <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Cumulative upkeep is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we do salute and move on? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Salute. All right. Ah, that's warm. <laughs> Feel it going all the way down. Do, are you, you're drinking warm vodka? Uh, Pat's drinking vodka. I'm drinking bourbon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pat might be drinking warm vodka. Mm-mm. Chasing it with his Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I have it in a cooler. <laughs> you have an actual cooler for your vodka bottle. Excellent. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, okay, so up next we have another really famous and much beloved artist in uh, oh boy. the Magic Circles. Uh, Rebecca Guai uh, is very, she draws very medieval fantasy style artwork. Um, like very, all of her art is very like, dreamlike or looks like it would be kind of the art that you would find in a children's book published in the 1800s. Um, like very, or the eighties or the eighties. Yeah, (laughs) Very like soft colors and warm and inviting. Like even, even her darker works just feel very like warm and inviting Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So this is a Elvish Piper by Rebecca Guay. Yeah. I don't love this. Mm. <laughs> me either, me either. <laughs> all right all right so what what's going on with it uh i mean you've got your classic manic pixie dream girl <laughs> hanging with her bird friends <laughs> like <laughs> just too cliche <laughs> a little bit yeah 
You know, what I'll say is I really dig the trees in the background and the way that they sort of fade into the uh, the clouds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just find this a little too, like, twee for me. It's, <laughs> okay. it's a little too precious. And um, I don't really, like, I don't want to continue looking at this and i don't say to myself like (laughs) what's really going on like what is there to investigate in this work no it's just a girl who's decided to play music for some dubs i think i don't need to ask any more questions beyond that you're you're saying that this uh looks like it would be on the art of a folder in a trapper keeper bundle you find it yes And it might be that, you know, like I have some skeletons in my closet around my teenage years and I just don't want to revisit that. (laughs) You had too many of those folders. This strikes a very negative chord with me. Jerry's background makes it look like he's into the Lisa Frank stuff, honestly. Oh, yeah. Our listeners don't know, but my Zoom background right now is me and uh, the Tiger King. We're just hanging out. And my Zoom, my my background is the the Christmas card that won the contest like two, three years ago that I think I think Connor made this one. The Jerry me as as Santa meme. Uh, It's pretty hilarious. (laughs) All right. So not a big fan of the Rebecca Gway art. She's done some really other interesting stuff, too. Um, but she has she has some really good landscapes, mm-hmm. which I think you mentioned that you really liked like the landscape, not so much. The I do, itself. I genuinely do, and I'll say that um, it kind of reminds me of like a George Ennis or something. I don't know if that'll mean anything to your listeners, but there's not this like uh, <laughs> it's like a pastel sort of mm-hmm. use where it's blurred, and I think that that's cool because it creates this idea of like almost a hallucination or um motion that can't be caught in a single moment and what it does effectively Mm. is it brings your focus on to the thing in the foreground that's in full focus that doesn't have those blurry edges um i'm just less interested in the thing in the foreground (laughs) it does a really good job of directing your attention it's just it directs your attention to something that's (laughs) right (laughs) it's kind of cool the way that her skirt is almost turning into the rock but the not the rock the person the rock that she's sitting on i mean if it was the rock the person <laughs> okay. this would be a plus art honestly <laughs> it definitely would be agreed okay and this was this was around like this is kind of like the midpoint of the game when this came out this was like 2000 so the it, game was about 7 years old at this point so actually not still the first half so and you know what else is interesting too jerry is something that i've i've known from reading um books about magic is that in the early years, artists were given a lot more free range to ex- experiment with their art, and they weren't given as much direction. Whereas now, they're given a lot more specific stuff to work on. Even like as as specific as like these are the shades of colors that we want you to use. This is like the template of um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called, but they have like this world this world template, and these are the yeah. So in probably about the last uh, I want to say probably seven ish years of Magic, the art direction took this turn. Mm-hmm. We're basically so in the early days of magic, like pretty much every piece was very unique, different styles, compositions, like it was just far flung, whatever the artist wanted. And then about seven, 10 years ago, the art direction was basically, okay, we want all of our art to be unified. Mm-hmm. So all of our art has to look like it would all appear in the same, you know, location yeah. or, gotcha. or novel. So a lot of fans have complained about that, saying that it kind of, it takes away the specialness from the art because all the art yeah. more or less looks the same. 
Um, but then there are things like the Soul Herder we spoke about with, with Seb McKinnon, where you know sometimes artists can can take a little bit of free reign and just do do some different mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, what I like about what you've shown me so far is that they're clearly very distinct styles, and I think that that's really wonderful. I mean, even mm-hmm. if you don't love every single one, at least you're giving artists the room to use their own hand in mm-hmm. the work that they're mm-hmm. creating. Yep. I totally yeah. agree. All right. Up next, we actually have my favorite magic artist. And actually last year he actually, uh, became a full-time employee of wizards of the coast. And he's actually the new art director for the game. Oh, I didn't know mm. that. Oh, interesting. Yes. So he's the new art director for the game about a year or two years. And I actually noticed, I, I really feel the quality of art, even as high as it already was in magic. When Zach Stella took over, I, I really like the direction of uh, art in Magic has been going, um, and he's my favorite artist um, who who's making for the game. But we're looking at right now. Oh, we need to do our shot too. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, thank you. Got to keep up. I'm just gonna put it right in my up. chaser because I'm I, I'm pouring too many shots right now. We're just gonna <laughs> put it right in the chaser here. Here we go. But I'm bearing the lead. We're doing Dead of Winter by Zach Stella. I mean, oh, my uh, God. Dead for sure. Look at all those dead guys. <laughs> and this is actually, Jerry, is not one of my favorite pieces by him, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. I really like this one. So I love his show and tell, but I felt that was, a, you know, a little too cliche. I felt I felt this one was evoking a little bit. more. Now you're going to have different. to show me that one, too, though, Jerry. Okay. All right. I mean, I'll put, please. I'll put, uh, show and tell. <laughs> okay. So can you talk to us about this uh, Dead of Winter? you see here, Dakota? Yeah, this is cool. This is very cinematic, I would Mm. say. I mean, the lighting is dramatic. I cannot stop looking at this guy in the lower left-hand corner who's clearly dead, but he's got his hand up like, hey, save me. What's up, guys? Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, that that is the makings of nightmares right there. Does that kind of look like Zach Stella? Is it like... Is it like a no, self-portrait? Zach Stella is uh, a very tall, thin, uh, like thick-rimmed. I don't, I don't, I say this with love and respect, but he looks very much like a hipster. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got glasses, right? Yeah, yeah, he has like thick, thick glasses, mm. and he's kind of tall, tall and thin. He, he looks like he would just be in, uh, uh, like Williamsburg, New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this, uh, this card, by the way, is something that kills. Uh, your other that kills creatures, obviously. So that's worth noting. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's horrible. Card. You have someone in the very center of the composition impaled on a spear. Mm-hmm. It well, is. That's the thing. It's terrible. They've impaled each other. They've impaled each other. Oh my god, no Jerry, sur- you're right. I didn't even see that. Oh my god, <laughs> how no tragic! Survivors. No, this and they're is frozen. So right? sad. It's completely frozen over. Well, I like this because it it this this piece to me really tells a story. Yeah, where there was this big battle, and these two guys were probably like the last two fighting, and they kill each other. So there's no survivors, and now it's been a while, and like a light dusting of snow has fallen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, this is like the end of the battle, right? Mm. Yeah, the very last. Like maybe the battle took place yesterday, basically. Mm. And they're like frozen. They're frozen. They're frozen in place. You know what's interesting to me is like this is a very monochrome composition, except for that teeny hint of like dusky pink in the background, right behind Mm. these two guys, like the Mm -hmm. approaching dawn. 
Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that this is a, a story about the futility of war. That's what I would say. It's very tragic. Even the horse is dead. These trees look like they've had a rough life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These trees are not doing well. Yeah. And then Dawn is about to, to break on a field full of dead people, which mm-hmm. is so sad. And no one ended up winning. Yep. So oh, I think that this, as you said, Jerry, really tells a story. And I think that it expertly uses the confined space that you have. Um, it uses highlighting in a really smart way. Um, you know, like the spears themselves are caught in the light in a way that makes them sort of precious. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the guy's face peeping out from the snow, that is so creepy, but so chilling and therefore mm-hmm. very um, evocative. Eyes open, too, right? Which is something you see happen a lot more in dead in death than people realize. It's not all, right. you know, closed eyes and, and closed mouths. It's in, in, in war, especially, it's people are awake when they die. You know, they're there right. and they're present, right? And you see that in this picture. Yeah, there's nothing pretty about the way this happened. It's like really putting forth like the ugliness of war, I think. Very Are we cool. doing a shot in between Dead of Winter and Show and Tell? Okay, so uh, <laughs> so consider the same. Uh, all right, so the next card, Jerry, I don't want you to say anything about this card. I want to just I want to see if Dakota can tell me can, um if you look at this card, right? And the, you know yeah. the name of the card is, is Show and Tell, right? Can you tell me what do it's you what do you think this picture tell? is? Yes, this is called show and tell. Yep. Literally show and tell. <laughs> if you look at this card, can you tell me what you think is going on here? Like can you can you decipher a story or a narrative? And and, f- and for our listeners, this is not the original show and tell art. Yes. This is the Zack Stella show and tell art yes. that was originally the Judge Foyle. Yes. This is weird. <laughs> this is so weird. Okay, so there are two people and there are two monsters. Mm-hmm. One of the people in the foreground has his back to you, but he's got flames coming up from his hands. I'd say that's maybe show. I don't. Well, I don't know. <laughs> that's okay. No, and no, then you. Yep. Then you've got his counterpart on the other side who has their hands up. Uh, you know, in like a power pose. <laughs> I. He's I, greeting, he's greeting this, the sun. What's that yoga pose? Yeah. Like, what greet, is the sun? going on? And. <laughs> This person doesn't even come up to to the knee of the monster. Yep. Um, who's like ripping apart the building as they enter and has multiple multiple limbs <laughs> and looks sort of like animatronic as mm-hmm. opposed to the other one who looks fully organic mm-hmm. but has lots of eyes and spikes. <laughs> I don't know if uh why are they indoors? I don't get that. <laughs> so so one thing you should know about magic is that... All right. I'm not as much of a nerd as you think I am. I promise. But <laughs> we are in the game. Essentially, the, the, the origins of the game are you are a wizard dueling, dueling another wizard. That is like, you know, if Jerry and I are playing a game together... In the game, I'm a wizard, Jerry is a wizard, and we are casting spells at each other. And in this with card... Our, with our wizard friends. Yes, with our wizard friends. <laughs> shout out to Rich Shea. Um, and what this is, is... So Show and Tell is a cool card in that it, the, the mechanic of it is basically we're both going to put a card face down 
and we're going to flip them up at the same time. And I'm going to show you my monster and you show me your monster, basically. And that's kind of what you see in this artwork, right? So, But you, you, you sort of got it from just looking at the artwork, which is something I really wanted to see, you know, if, if, if they were doing that for people, right? And you kind of yeah, got Yeah, but that that's also that. just a weird thing to do, guys. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'll show you your. I'll show you mine if you show me well, yours. The original, the original art was way more comical than this. The original art yeah. looks like something out of a Mad magazine. Honestly, it's not nearly as imposing as this. It's it looks more like a a nerdy wizard in like middle school who brought in his box of little weird beasties to show his class. It is much more like show and tell at school, right? So, but this is sort of the grown up version made by you know the art director now. Um, I'll. I'll show you the original. Their yeah, original we're never going to finish now. this episode, Chris. We're going to keep like, we got to show you this art. We got to show you this art. We got to show you. <laughs> we're not going to dive into it, but this this is what the original art was for show yes. and tell. Yeah. Okay, are you adding it to the doc? Yeah, it's yep, right it's, below uh, the. Nice. If you scroll oh, down. Oh, I see. Oh, what? What? Yes. Oh, yes. my God. No. This is like the cover of a terrible teen, like, learning to read book. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So that is that is the original show and tell. Actually, has Marilyn show and Manson tell in the background. Look at that! Oh my yeah, god! Yep. No, yep. this is so. Bad. So th- you know, the one we showed you is the grown-up version of show and tell. But um, okay, so see, much like, preferred. And, and again, this the old the the version below that new show and tell or the old I guess the older show and tell is again from a part of magic history where I think the artist had a little bit more room to work with, whereas the one above it is apart from the part of the game where the, I think they've gotten a little bit more direction and and uh, a little bit less leeway as to what they can show. So, uh, but that's very interesting. <laughs> so, so oh, you're, you're... Way prefer this newer one. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm really <laughs> interested in the architecture. It's very, mm. like, gouty or something, or, like, mm. Art Nouveau. It's curvaceous mm. and has a lot of openings... Um, I'd like to, like, I wish it could zoom out almost so we could see mm. this whole, like, castle or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they're occupying. Mm-hmm. That's a, another thing I've noticed, a big difference between, like, the, the layman player and the more, you know, because there are also, you know, art experts who play magic and they kind of combine their hobbies, where the art experts actually say they much prefer the newer art to the older art, even though the older art is very much beloved for nostalgic reasons, you know, a lot of these art experts are like, listen, I know you like your like unique styles and yes. it looked cool, but uh, it, it wasn't actually very good. Right. Guys. Which is so <laughs> like this new art is much like that's, technically just much better. Art. That's so interesting, too, because and that's something that I was expecting. To kind of, well, not expecting, but I was hoping to see from Dakota to kind of confirm that because I am not an art, art expert and I've always been like, oh, I kind of like the older art better than most of the newer art. But again, I think it's because that's just my personal bias because I'm nostalgic for that old stuff. But it's great to have an expert on here to be like, actually, like, here's the reason why this newer stuff is a little bit better. And and here are the reasons. With the too. exception. With okay. the exception being stasis. The exception being stasis. Just want to let everyone. <laughs> stasis just is everyone. still my fave, by the way. <laughs> yes. Stasis still number one. <laughs> and I also want to make a point of saying I would never hang this one that I'm looking at right now on my wall. Because I'm not a big fan of looking at monsters 24-7. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, the game of magic, I think that this is a much more successful composition. Mm-hmm. And there's really a story being told. 
the artist is using visual devices that makes you want to engage with this and look at it and talk about it and, you know, ask yourself questions about what is actually going on. So I also just want to point out the flaming drool that's coming out of this monster. (laughs) That's definitely my favorite part of this work. All right. I'm taking a shot. We're moving on. All right. We're taking a drink. All right. Here we go. Um, all right all right oh also i just want to point out that pretty much all of the examples of bad magic art i got was from the early years of magic. <laughs> when i feel today with magic art when magic art today is bad it's not because it's actually bad art it's that it's forgettable mm. like that's really which if you consider that the floor for the game like your floor is that the art is forgettable <laughs> Like that's a, still a pretty high floor. Uh, you know what, Jerry? That's a really great point, right? Because some of the early artwork is that, like just seems not well put together. It seems like it was done by students, right? And yeah. <laughs> and all the artwork we get now is really high. I mean, it's certainly high quality uh, artwork. It's done by someone who is a professional. Um, and Word of Command is a great example of something that's a little bit, maybe has a little bit to, uh, so, a yeah, lacking. So we're, we're- we're going to look at Word of Command by Jesper Mifros, which was uh, an example of one of the worst and, art in and Magic And I think history. the first art director, correct? Yeah, which is funny. He was the first art director of the game. And also, like, he's painted many of uh, very famous Magic arts. He did some of the dual lands, like Bayou. But, uh, yeah, Word of Command has kind of gotten the reputation of what it happens when a artist, like, phones it in. Like, the joke is basically <laughs> yeah. that... You know, as an art director, he was uh, he was faced. Uh, oh, the deadline's tomorrow, and we're missing a piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have word of and command. this card. So this card is a black card, and it lets you basically take control of your opponent for a turn. He really went for that theme. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys are gonna hate me for saying this, but I kind of love it. <laughs> awesome! Awesome! <laughs> Um, this just strikes me as an artist who really has a sense of humor. <laughs> I can't I'm believe you're like gonna laugh through, okay? I'm also like a full bottle of wine in right now, so that might be affecting <laughs> my choices. But, I mean, it's a frowny face. What's not to love? It's so funny. <laughs> um, it's funny, you can't, there is actually a frown. Oh my like, god, how have I never out. seen that? Well, You've because never you seen looking that? at it, that's two inches across. It's true. There is a there oh is a sad face. Oh, he's a sad yeah. wizard. Yeah, but it's a it's a black frown on a black face, so you can't really tell. <laughs> like here's what and I'll also say. the background this is, is black. Like, like literally the only thing we see in this piece is the eyeballs. <laughs> I don't know. I like it the the photo that you added, Jerry, is like maybe a little bit grainy. I don't know if I'm seeing it in I feel yeah, I feel this isn't the original work. I feel this is a scan of a card that's then been cropped. But correct me so if I'm, I'm wrong. I, there's actually like slight variations in the application of paint across the the works. Right. Yeah. So, well, so those circles that you're seeing, that's a, that's actually the printing on the cardboard of the card. Mm-hmm. That's actually something counterfeiters will do so like when you're looking for counterfeit magic cards you'll look for those little circles and if you see those little circles that's how you know it's an it's an actual i'm sorry people create counterfeit magic cards oh yeah it's big business it's actually yeah huge business (laughs) what that's insane you have cards like that 
Jerry, Jerry, when, tell, when you're, tell her when how you're much selling... your deck is worth. Jerry's deck, <laughs> how, how much is your, your, your show and tell deck worth, probably? I, it's probably north of $10,000. Oh, damn, Jerry. And, and that's not even like, You the should most sell that, stuff. and I will tell you some great contemporary art that you can buy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I only buy magic. <laughs> My side gig is art consulting, so if anyone wants to look me up after, I'm here yes. for that. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, but okay, guys, this is hilarious. It. I think phoned it in is a really good way of putting it. <laughs> is there a story being told? No. No. Do I definitely relate with this work of art? <laughs> many days, many mornings. <laughs> I have never noticed the frowny face. That is so funny. Oh my God. <clears throat> it's so, so funny. So my guess is that maybe the eyes of the person who's being controlled because they'd be the frowny one, not the person who's doing the controlling. That's yeah. fascinating. Wait, well, also what? It feels like the, fr- the, the frown is also like way too big for the face. It it's comical, like. right? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely meant to be comical. What would piss me off so much, though, I have to say, is if this were like a canvas for sale in a gallery for like $10,000. <laughs> I kid you not, I worked in a gallery... When I was living in Berlin, I was like an intern, a curatorial intern at a gallery. And one artist, I'm not going to say their name, but they put a piece of, I guess it was three pieces of string hung by two nails on the wall. And that was for sale for a couple thousand dollars at least. I think maybe it was more than that. And I was like, you I know. Start producing art. <laughs> No, I mean, this is the thing. Contemporary art is like half bullshit, half really like life changing, powerful experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think it sort of sucks that there are so many people who feel it's completely unapproachable or a joke because of that. And um, it takes a lot of like work and time spent looking at things to realize what's what, I suppose. but the context really matters. So the fact that he made this for a magic card, I think is kind of awesome because it's counter to everything that magic is, right? It's like mm-hmm. right. monochrome. It's just two eye slits. You don't know anything about this character or anything that's supposed to be expressed in this work except for like a a single line frowny face. Like there aren't even lips delineated in this shit. And so I guess I think that this is pretty, um, it's, it's interesting in a deck of magic cards. If I saw this in another context, I might rethink my position on it. <laughs> Maybe I, I that's unfair, you off, but. I might have to piss you off, Dakota, because with the level of fame that this card has in the community, I would say $10,000 would probably be very cheap for this piece. Yes, for this original mm. artwork, like, it's probably much more than that. Yeah, this one's probably around like twenty five to fifty thousand yep. dollars, which is crazy. Yep. She's not. She's not impressed. <laughs> All right, next one is going to be I feel debatable because the next one is considered very good art uh, by magic fans who don't really know much about art. But I feel this is a piece that an actual art critic would say is actually not that great. <laughs> So up next, we have Crucible of Worlds by Ron Spencer. And also, don't forget to take your drinks, everyone. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Thank you. Uh, Before the art critic, I said that with little quotation marks. 
ways in. <laughs> Dakota's I... disdainful of art critics. <laughs> I'd love to hear Pat's thoughts. On this one? Yeah. Um. So, so this card basically allows you to play your not the card pad no i mean that's that's helpful too jerry yeah so this this card lets you re re rebuy or replay your uh the things that give you resources in the game right so this i think the artwork of this is sort of trying to show a recursion of what makes you powerful as a wizard and i i detest the fact that i keep calling ourselves wizard but that but that is kind of the art the the way the card goes i wish i were a wizard honestly (laughs) you're i mean after the show Dakota, you're an honorary <laughs> wizard, just so you know. Like yes! you're, you're getting your cloak and hat in the mail. Like that comes, yes! that comes with this with Thank the podcast. You. Um so this art is not one of my favorites. Uh this this work by Ron Spencer. Um I, I get like the brambles above and the forest below and but I mean I guess it's like got this neat cosmic theme, but it just seems like something from like a heavy metal album that I don't want to listen to or Totally. Or a right. bowling alley in the seventies. Like this is this is this isn't like this isn't like <laughs> this could the, totally yeah totally be in this the is like alley. this is like on a on like a felt print you know on like a felt background in a in a black lit room where you get to smoke a lot of weed yeah I'll straight up say this blows I'm not a fan <laughs> yeah. um I I you know good try but this feels pretty much peak corniness to me mm. Mm. um you know. I love the environment, so I dig the, like, dead trees turning into new life down below mm-hmm. thing that's going on. But, um, you, yeah, this isn't doing a whole lot for yeah. me. I also... So fun... Go ahead, Jerry. Uh, fun story with this piece is this piece is actually designed by the community. So uh, I remember when this happened, but probably about 20 years ago, uh, Wizards ran a contest where they had everyone with a series of polls create a magic card. They decided what the magic card would be, what its effect would be, and then they gave the art design. So they they submitted suggestions for the art design, and then the artists submitted different sketches, and the community voted on which sketch should be fully fleshed out into the final piece of art. So this was actually designed by the com- magic the, community. The, the card itself, right? What the card does, not necessarily the artwork, right? No, the art as well. Oh, really? Oh, so, fascinating. Yeah, they voted. They voted on the sketches of what oh. what it actually should be. Yeah, not. A, but look not... at the execution. Like, okay, if you want to go with this theme, or even this, like you know, like the two round globes that are mm-hmm. see through somehow. But is this an hourglass? It's supposed to be like a cosmic hourglass. Oh, okay. So okay. The top, like going down to the bottom. Interesting. And then you'll see like the the planets on either side make up like the frame of the hourglass. Hmm. It's not very detailed. The uh, like modulation of color. If you're looking at these like twigs, right in the upper part of the hourglass, mm-hmm. it's it's very like black and white. It's almost like blocky, like a wood print or something. It's not very painterly or skillful in that way. And then down below, <clears throat> you're really seeing more like the suggestion of plant life. It almost starts to look like algae or something kind of gross mm. because the artist hasn't done enough to create detail. And then you've <laughs> you've got these like orbs that are coming out the side that are orange and bright and different colors. And it just ends up looking like tacky target target christmas ornaments or something because they're they're like they're just dots they're not like i feel like 
this was done very quickly and maybe with spray paint or aerosol somehow it <laughs> it didn't like it didn't require the careful hand of someone who's good at using a paintbrush or pencil or a pen or anything i feel that's the case because it was a contest piece i feel the artist did not have very much time to do this art mm. our work i'm sorry ron spencer I'm really I, like I feel horrible whenever I say anything really nasty about a specific person. My guess is he felt like, you know, on the clock to do something quickly for the fans and he wanted to like get off my back, Dakota. I, know, I had a 24 I'm, hour deadline. I'm so sorry, Ron it, What's interesting too is like a, like this does not tell say crucible to me at all. I get the worlds part because I see lots of worlds, but this is not what a crucible is, right? A crucible isn't an hourglass. A crucible is some no. crucible is like a a port um pedestal and mortar. Well, yeah, no, that's no a, a crucible is something that Do, you don't you like heat it up. Yes, it, it's yeah, made to like heat, heat metal. metal yeah, it's not a mortar yeah. and pestle. It's it's basically well, no, that's like that's the sh- shape of it. Yeah, basically, it's like it's it's, it's like, like a ceramic it's like a, bowl. It's like a thick. It's like a thick ceramic. Yeah, yeah you, ceramic you, know, you, you know, liquefied metal in. So like to me, this is right. Not, this does not say crucible to me. This says something like this is more like if I was going to think about something that's like the the march of time toward an apocalypse. That's this is what, this would be more like that to me than necessarily a crucible, especially a crucible of worlds. So I just I think the art for me is a miss in a, in a lot of ways. I think that the message is lost. Like we don't know is this sinister? Is something like good happening? Are they regenerating forests? Like. I think that the me- it's not very clear what's going mm-hmm. on. Agreed. Agreed. Well, buck- buckle up, kids. It only gets worse from here. All right, here we oh, go. Oh, boy. <laughs> Salute. All right. I need a drink then, yeah. <laughs> Worst? This is one of the... This is, uh, well... This is also whenever, <laughs> we like, have another frowny when people, face, but this one sucks. <laughs> when people compile lists of like the top ten worst magic art of all time, uh, Animate Wall by Dan Frazier is always up on that yes. list. And this is so Dan Frazier ended up going on to be commissioned quite a few magic mm-hmm. cards, but this is from Alpha, and I believe he was just a student in art school when he was commissioned to do this. Piece. So <laughs> this <laughs> Dakota is stunned, <laughs> stunned. <laughs> Did you see my jaw open? (laughs) Oh my god! I feel bad for this woman because I don't think she has a thumb on her left hand, which kind of sucks. That's not hard. Hard or her right? Where's her lower half of her body? Forget her thumb. She's missing the lower half of her body. It's a big sleeve. She's got a big sleeve. You know. Okay. Okay. This is bad. Not only do I need to qualify that, or can we just move on? Like, well, this I mean, is not good. We can't move on yet. I can't do another Listen, shot. I, wanted, again I right want now. you to tell me how that wall walks with those little that little foot. How's that walk? <laughs> it, like, it, it reminds me of the big like the the stompy guys from Super Mario Bros. Oh yeah, like, Mario sixty four, yeah. like the giant like brick thing. That comes, have, have you ever seen like Labyrinth? <laughs> this reminds me of like one of the characters in Labyrinth, like the guys built into the doors. Where they're just the bottom of the mouth moves when they talk. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, Why is his face so tiny relative to the space of the wall? <laughs> he was just animated. Like his it feet and arms the- are huge. So it brings the wall to life. That's what the card does. The wall the card literally makes your wall able to attack someone. Instead of being a defensive measure, it can He doesn't somebody. look ready to attack. He looks too cumbersome <laughs> to attack a goddamn thing. 
And this this woman looks like a terrible actress who's feigning to be scared of something. Like her yeah, just, bell sleeves are doing all the work for her. Her face is not even moved. Is she is she animating the wall, do you think, or is she being attacked by the it now animated wall? Great question. We have no idea. Her fingers <laughs> are telling a thousand stories, one of which is they're like completely ambidextrous. <laughs> Or opposable, or whatever you say. I mean, what is going on with her fingers? They're growing. <laughs> they, her fingers are bent at really weird. She angles. is. Yes. She's a great guitar player, though. So you don't know that, but outside, of that, yeah, she looks like she, she can play a mean lick. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So not not great. Not the not the uh, the apex of magic art here. I don't love this. I'm trying to find something that I appreciate about it. I'm having a little bit of a hard time. Ah, uh, animate. What color is this? What what world is are this? We living a, in ooh, that's a good question. Is this a white color? Is this white? Uh, I think it's white or black. I feel. Uh, it is white. Yep, it is yep. white. It's white. It's white. Okay. Yep. What does this card do? It it allow it literally so you have so in in early, especially early in magic you had cards that were walls basically and allowed you to defend yourself from an opponent's attacking creatures. This they're al- purely defensive. Correct. This like, this will make your wall able to attack other other players basically. So you are literally giving your wall the ability to be offensive and not just something that defends you. So I guess it gets stubby arms and feet that can't move and that's how it is able to attack people. <laughs> I just don't like that wall is not threatening. You could easily walk around that wall. It's only like a section of a wall too, right? It's like an eight foot section of a wall. It's, it's like oh, you've destroyed your defenses. Like you, they, so it, like, it, the it, mouth is too small to even eat anything. <laughs> this this wall sucks. The most it has going for it is like mean eyebrows. Yeah. It's got like the word of command eyes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this 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 wall is not scary. Um yeah, it's not it's in my hometown there was a house uh down the street from me that didn't have a fence in the front yard but had just a gate. And only a gate, no fence around it, just a gate that went to their front door. Um and it was it was as awkward and as and as undefinable as this wall is in this card. It makes no sense. Like that is if you can walk around it, it's not a wall, right? Like it's just I think it's just that's a, a great analogy. <laughs> It looks like it's about the size of like a uh, a soccer goal. <laughs> yeah, may- yeah, maybe, maybe not not imposing, not imposing. A, li- a little kicker well, soccer. Yeah, goal. walls are also, notoriously slow moving. <laughs> I guarantee you, this fair maiden is like, am I done holding this pose? I'm just gonna walk around this wall right now. <laughs> like there, you know, it's Agreed. not trouble for her. I hope she grows her thumbs back. <laughs> let's let's check out what the next card is okay so we're, uh, all right doing little shots so this is this is interesting because this is an artist known for his um for drawing so every player has to have well almost every player has to have lands in their deck lands are how you draw your you draw your magic from the lands they help you cast spells they help you play the game so lands are very important to ever to nearly every deck in the game have been since the the since magic was a game right since it's an initiation um, and so artists who do lands uh, specifically are very beloved by by the players, I think, maybe beyond e- even other artists. Like it's it's a very aesthetic choice. So all the lands do the same thing. And the thing is, because there's been so many different 
art styles of lands, it's a very uh, customizable part mm. of a player's deck mm. where they'll specifically choose the art of the lands that they want to use. Right, because for the most part, they are completely interchang- interchangeable. So you get some, and so John Avon is a great example. Now, this these were some of the first lands. That took up an entire card, right? The first, some of the first images in the entire game that took up, well, really, I would say the first actually, because even the onset yeah. before this was still like an oval. These are kind of the first time in Magic where you had an art take up the entire card, which is almost like the size of like a typical playing card, like a poker card. This is the first time you saw them take up an entire card. So you broke out of that little two by five by three and a half inch, you know, two and a half inch by three and a half inch box. And you let it go from edge to edge, really stunning. No wording on the cards, just the artwork. Um, And it was very when these cards first came out, especially these five lands made by John Avon, it was very special and a special set. And I think these lands in particular um, are some of the maybe some of the most favorites by players throughout Every generation of Magic, um, still played by a lot of players today, um, and yeah. So these are the John Avon Unhinged lands. They're they're very sought after too. So like mm-hmm. the the foils of these, even though it does the exact same thing as a five cent Swamper Island as a literally free you card. You could you could get them. Yeah, what does that mean? So as a, so as so you can literally get lands because they're such a core part of the game. When you go to an event, they'll often just give you lands for free. Mm-hmm. These unhinged lands by John Avon, because they're so desirable, can get up to like close to a hundred dollars a piece for not the original art for the just a card. It's like a print. A print of this art is about a hundred dollars a piece sought after by players because they like this art so much. Okay, well, I have to ask, what do the other lands for our images look like? So, so, so they they depict. I mean, there are, there are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of images of of, of the lands. And they will, okay. they depict literally, I mean, the five basic lands that you get. You have different depictions of forests, of plains, of mountains, swamps, and islands. And so these were the first time you had a full art land, full art anything for the game for that matter, because full art had never been done before. Um, so I, I just posted an image below it. That's typically what the lands look like. Correct. I see. Okay. So that's, so that's an example of, so, and every time Magic comes out with a new set, they commission new art for the lands of that set. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's typically what they look like, but these are the John Avon lands, which are some of the most famous of the land arts. Yes. So as a critic, what do you think about these pieces? Um, Sorry for any offense, but they do sort of look like the background on a MacBook. <laughs> totally. At first I, yeah. glance. Yep. They're probably using not, the backgrounds on say many that MacBooks, actually. Yeah, they, they probably are. Um, I think that what happens is when you're looking at them, the first thing you register is color. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that that's not incidental. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something in each of them that's like a little bit foreboding, but also leads you into the background. So... I'm noticing maybe not with this island one so much, but if you ignore that one, with every other one, there's like creepy branches or creepy darkened mountains. But then there's this light in the distance that like leads you into the background, right? There's like a single focal point on each of those, right? On all those four. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think that these uh, register like a sense of adventure almost because of that. That's sort of like into the card um 
I, I definitely think within the world of magic, when you all of a sudden see a card that takes up the entire frame, that's going to just almost put you in like a different mindset of how you view it. There's no action here. And so maybe you like supplement any kind of figure with yourself. You're the one making the decision in that space. Hmm. Um, and they're desolate. They're, they're like uncharted territory. There are no signs to guide you. You're going to have to walk or cross rivers or swampland or, you know, who knows what to get to them. This island one, to me, feels like kind of the outlier because that totally looks like Jamaica from a plane when you're on the <laughs> yeah, like, coming like, in for vacation. South America. It's, yeah, it's like, not as... That yeah. Let me get my pina colada. So, you know what's interesting, Definitely. too, is like, is an island dip more difficult to portray because you have to sort of zoom out from it and show that it's an island versus like you can stand in a in a very dense forest or a very dense mountain escape and sort of see what a mountain is. But to see an island, you really have to be up. It has to be like almost like an aerial view. Yeah, to, and, to and islands island. zoomed yeah, in too much is just a true. coastline. Totally. Or or you know, an island zoomed in is a forest, right? If you get close enough to this island, it's just a forest, right? It's not an island anymore. That's all you see, so... Uh, I'm wonder, I wonder if that was part of the consideration when making this artwork because it is very blue, right? And like, how else are you going to show blue for an island if you don't have the water? I think and, part of the art direction too was because these were the first like full art lands that Wizards ever did. Um, they basically told them like, make it blue, make mm, it really blue. Totally, yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, even the mountains, color like, is definitely the first thing you see. Yeah. Or like even the mountain, it's like make the mountains red, yes. really, really red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think he did a great job with the swamp making it black. When like if it's, I mean, black is a, is in my opinion a difficult color to work with because it it kind of defies a lot of detail. And I feel like you get a lot of a lot of detail in this swamp, even though it's really drawing off like a very dark part of the of the color spectrum. It's mm. definitely the creepiest card mm. in this little suite here mm. for sure. I guess for me. I'm not drawn to these personally because mm-hmm. they feel like generic sort mm. of. It's That's, funny. It's when these came out, they were, these were like the creme de la creme. They were very lands. unique. They were very unique. And yeah. now because we've had so many other uh, full art lands that they're almost, they've kind of fallen a little bit. Like other stuff that has come out has definitely probably surplanted this role. Mm-hmm. as like some of the best lands. Mm-hmm. What I'll I say agree. is that I think there. One of the things that happens when you produce something that's a little generic, like especially this island one, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of like, um, <laughs> this is a little bit of a tangent and a weird story, but I had this roommate and somehow I think she was being, she was very sweet. I think she was being polite to someone who, oh my God, what are they called? An actor? No, it's like <laughs> a quasi religion. Uh, oh, cult. oh, a cult Scientologists. I'm so sorry. The Scientologists. Scientologists. Yeah. Wait, who is I'm a Will sorry. Smith is a Scientologist. Wasn't he? Maybe I got that wrong. I'm I sorry. hope so. <laughs> I love Will Smith. <laughs> anyway, point is, she kept getting these like mailings from Scientologists because she was just like being sweet when they were like trying to get her to sign up for something. <laughs> and they would come to our house and they were like, gorgeous cruise catalogs like come on this cruise and you'll love life and they had these like beautiful pictures and what i think that this similarly does is it's like this 
untread upon landscape where you can just project yourself and mm. you can project like your best, most adventurous self, right? That's mm -hmm. like going into uncharted territory and being one with nature or whatever. Um, so these, <laughs> whatever. Feel, these cards feel like invitations to mm. kind of like put yourself in that mental state. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's what I would say. Interesting. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's a great, great point that the artwork, I think, I think too, what struck people was the full artness of these more than, the actual art, right, Jared? Because they were so unique and special at the time, yeah. but you don't see them as nearly as they're not nearly as impressive anymore. I think John Avon has definitely done better lands. Hundred percent. Here's, I think he had some great in Mercadia masks, some stuff that I thought was really fantastic. That, uh, yeah. yeah, that never got printed in full art. But um, this next, if Magic good. the Gathering wants to ask me about my opinion of artists who could totally nail this like landscape shit. They should reach out to me because I right, have I'll some thoughts. I'll, I'll tell Zach Stella to give you a call. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll hook you up. Perfect. We'll hook you up. Are you guys friends with him? I've I've met him a few times at conventions and I've I've talked to him several times. He's a he's a nice guy. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Let him know. I got some great ideas. Nice. I'm just gonna nice. mail him this episode. <laughs> like, hey, listen. <laughs> This art is bad. <laughs> this is just this is just bad. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to this, Di, let's move on to Die Young by Ryan Yee, which actually Ryan Yee I feel does not get enough credit in in the magic circles. He's not a very well known artist, but when I was looking at some of his pieces, his pieces are great. And mm. Die Young when it came out actually won an award for uh, I forget what the award was, but it was like best. Uh, Best like fantasy art of the year. I was hoping this out. was the Kesha song. I was disappointed that's the Ryan Yee art, but that's okay. We can go over the art, I guess. <laughs> that'd be so dope if Kesha like used this as the album cover. Oh my for god, that that'd be single. so. Aw I love. I. I'm just gonna go on the record. I love Kesha. I think she's fantastic. I've been on her. Yeah. On her oh my god. Yes. She's Hot. So, yeah. She's so legit. She's so legit. <laughs> Uh, TikTok is a banger. Uh, not even that. Like her, her stuff before. Rainbow. She, oh my god, Rainbow. Before she you became guys. signed, like she's like a legit, like songwriter. Like her and her mom are legit songwriters. She's not just like a. I don't want to. All right, we we got all the stuff we're talking about, but she's she's legit. She's legit. I'll make a playlist for you guys. I'll make a playlist. All right, all right. All right. So die young. What do you think? I don't like this. After all that, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't really. I will say loud and clear. I don't like this. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. I'm not a fan. Uh, this is like a little too emo for me. <laughs> um, I. Uh, what is happening? Like so, his body is disintegrating, yeah, and he's so sad this, about a flower. In this, world, are you kidding me? This world is this world is. It's a is, metaphor. It's yeah, a so metaphor, Dakota. This world, this world is um is full of these creatures that are basically like second class citizens that are that are basically <gasps> like almost mechanical. They're 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 animated they're, by this by this material that's in this world. They're they're kind of they're kind of created. But they also live very short lives. They're almost like they're almost like a servant class, um, and they are it, it, almost like a, almost like a slave class, right? Like I'm trying to remember the Amaket yeah, theme. But. It's it's basically like magic taking a physical form, 
like they're they're basically like dust held together by magic. Mm-hmm. And so and so you're, what you're seeing is they and they had notoriously short life cycles and and they are completely unrecognized or you know they're the, the the regular population of humans is completely unsympathetic to this race of beings and they are basically there just to do the bidding of of people and so this artwork you're seeing this if people who haven't seen it um you're seeing this one of these it, i think they were always called ethereum or whatever but you're seeing one of these beings basically just crumbling like they know when they end their end is coming and he is he is literally like you said falling apart uh by himself uh, you see his skin cracking and ethereum Much- leaking from his from his body and much and, like the flower he's holding is shedding petals, he is shedding his. That is his the being. most. That is the most low bar, like of art. I think is like, oh, look at this flower dying. I am also dying. But this is if if you could look at a My Chemical Romance song, this would be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. this is. Also, this is very Beauty and the Beast. Mm. The rose, you know, mm. like, but also Aladdin with this fabulous like sword yes. holder mm-hmm. around his waist i don't know that seems like something jafar would do it, it, it was like an indian themed plane if i'm not mistaken right jerry yes yeah, yeah it was very heavily influenced by indian culture i think it was amonkhet i don't remember no it was kaladesh kaladesh that's what it was sorry yes i uh am a little more interested in the architecture than mm. the being that's dying in the forefront um sorry to him but like that's a cool ass house in the background. So this is so the, I want to point out this is the second time that you've seen architecture that you thought was more impressive than the actual focus of the art, right? If you go back to show yeah. and tell, this is the second time that you've seen artwork that's like, "Oh, that's really interesting." And I think that artwork for what it's worth is from the cuz you see a lot of this style of artwork in the cards from this set. So mm-hmm. I, I think you if you saw more artwork from this set, you'd say, "Oh, that's a very specific thing that came down from art direction on the set uh it's not just from the artist what i think is really i mean i'm incredible about the architecture is that this is something that would be either impossible or very difficult structurally speaking to Mm -hmm. execute in real life Mm -hmm. and it it's not just like a an afterthought right like Mm -hmm. The curls of the architecture are echoing the curls of his <laughs> body being turned into dust. <laughs> I'm sorry to like. I really. I'm not. I feel for him. I truly do. But like, <laughs> like uh, compositionally, it's important that the architecture is doing what his body is doing. Mm-hmm. And architecture has this whole philosophy around it, like you know, function over form. The house is supposed to fit the needs of the person who's really occupying it. And that to me is completely expressed in here in a way like this door even looks like it has eyes, like it's witnessing what's happening to this poor guy. You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, I guess I'd (laughs) rather, this is a little too like, sad boy band music video for mm-hmm. me um the the way this is happening to this guy uh basically dakota broke this guy's heart and she don't give a fuck yeah like the, the whole the whole of his chest is from dakota just going that's mine now, yeah, bitch, just that's ripping mine. into his heart and ripping his heart out <laughs> i am sorry for him but he has like dope <laughs> clothes i would totally like i would wear that vest for sure. 
<laughs> more interested than the vest. All mm-hmm. right. All mm-hmm. right. Oh, Jerry, the next piece of artwork. Don't say it. Don't say a goddamn word about this next piece, Pat. Can I just say, say a... one? Can I just say one word? No, what I just said, don't say a goddamn word. That doesn't you mean did, you can say one oh, word. You did say that. I'm going to give Dakota like pour a your, solid. Pour yourself a shot and drink up, Pat. She has like a solid 60 <laughs> seconds. And then I'm going in on this art. All right. So this next piece is Black Lotus by Christopher Rush. All right. What is your first impressions, Dakota? Um, It took him a day to do it, which doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it took him a day to do it. Um. <laughs> Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is something, isn't it? I you know what? <laughs> I feel like the goes beating around the bush. <laughs> the background is cool. Like if that were a shirt, it would be a sick shirt. It'd be like tie-dyed but like kind of bleached or something. Would, would you hang this in the MFA? No. Oh my god, no. <laughs> so, all right. Can no, I say I wouldn't. <laughs> Go, please, Pat. Please. Right. I'm just going to say this is from the a commission during the first set that Magic was made, right? So this is one of the oldest artworks that we have. Christopher Rush, one of the most beloved artists of Magic. He actually passed away a few years ago. One of the most beloved artists with some of the most iconic art. And if you know nothing, I mean, you so you definitely know nothing about Magic. If, you, if Jerry said Black Lotus <laughs> and you're like, oh, I know that card. Black Lotus is a card that is the most. Dakota shaking her head. It's the most. <laughs> it's hands down the most valuable card in all of Magic, right? Like it, this it, is probably it's the, most the most what card? Valuable card. This is probably valuable. The most, no, this is, this the, is most, the most valuable card. Yes, I would say this is easily the most famous piece of Magic artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, I don't think this original has ever gone up for sale, but I wouldn't be surprised if this piece, if it went up for sale, would sell for close to a million dollars. Just the like, just the alpha car. What does Alpha Black Lotus go for? Fifty grand, fifty, like sixty near, grand. Near near mint, like Alpha Black Lotus have gone for close to a hundred grand yeah. for the card. Yes, not the original piece of art. Yeah, just a the, card. The print, the print of this art has gone for close to a hundred grand. Okay, um, <laughs> so Dakota is not impressed. I'm not familiar with Christopher Rush. Is this typical of his herb? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty simple, right? Like it's, you know, I, I don't know. I I don't know how to describe his art, but it's pretty. I wouldn't describe his art as complex. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would just say it's consistent. That's what I was thinking. The, the word I'm thinking. It's consistent. consistent. <laughs> you know? Consistently. Like if you see a Chris Rush art, usually you'd be able to pick <laughs> art, it out. Pat. Pat. Art is a lot like sex. Consistent is good. I, I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> I'm just saying it's consistent. <laughs> Pat's love life. <laughs> Um, this is not, this doesn't, oh my God, what do I say about this? So, <laughs> like, I, I mean, people always say with art, like, oh, I could do that. And a lot of times you're like, yeah, you could, but you didn't think of it. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If someone said Black Lotus to me, I'm pretty sure I could think of this totally totally. you know like this is not on any kind of like metaphysical or intellectual level elevating Mm -hmm. any kind of conversation about whatever the so i i will say um black lotus (laughs) is a card one of the most powerful cards ever printed in magic right um but i will say that and again this is kind of under the defense just so we're on the same page i don't i'm not defending the art but i'm just gonna say speak kind of on behalf of the art itself um, 
for I think for a long time, people didn't realize how powerful this card was. When the game was designed, I don't think even Garfield knew how how impactful this card would be to the game. Or definitely not. When you how say Garfield, who's Garfield? Uh, Richard, Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield's the guy who created the game. Um, <laughs> so, so, sorry. The so very nerdy not mathematician. Yeah, yeah. Not the cat. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going up on Garfield. Yeah, yeah we're going with uh, John and Garfield in the next <laughs> next one. Um, but um, so I imagine they just told him the name of the card and said, "Paint this card." So Chris Rush, when he was illustrating this, again was probably getting paid a hundred dollars. And was not did not know this card would be revered in this game that spanned three dec at least three decades at minimum, um, and one of the most sought after artworks in all of Magic. So it's kind of interesting, right? Like, imagine you get paid a hundred dollars by this game company who no one knows about to make this piece of art, and you have no clue about the. I mean, like things come and go all the time, right? This card game could have easily collapsed in itself. 30 years ago, right? And the artwork... Ne- I, think what, I think what Pat's trying to say is that Chris Rush was paid $100 to make this art, and it shows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah par- partially. This is $100 worth of effort. Partially. I, what I'm just saying is, like, the amount of reverence this card gets is not is not in line with the amount the artist was paid or even had any kind of idea how important the art would be. Does that make sense? Like it's you know yeah this isn't this isn't you know someone creating the hands of the peasants this is like I need to make a hundred bucks so I can pay my electrical bill this week so I'm just gonna make I'm gonna bang this out yeah. real quick and the value like yeah. if this if this original piece ever went up for sale and went for like pro- I wouldn't be surprised if it went for more than a million dollars um, it would 100 percent be because of its nostalgia and its its totally. like role in the history of totally. the game yeah yeah. But yes, yeah, on its face, like again, that's why it's great to have you because you come into these cards with no like bias, right? So you're able to look at this completely outside of our, the framework that Jerry and I Jerry and I look at this card, we're like, this is probably good, right? I mean, we know that it's valuable, we know that it's iconic, we know that it's been around for thirty years, but you can see it from that 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 you know, that twenty thousand foot view, which is really really valuable to us. It's fantastic. So right. here's here's what I'll say before we move on to the next one. I And looking at it a little bit longer, it looks like maybe he used the technique of frittage. I'm not sh- even sure if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like a French term. A lot of surrealists did this where they would press a piece of like cardboard or paper or something else against another piece of paper or cardboard with paint in the center and they would pull it away and then they would look at the paint markings that were left behind and they would allow and remember this is like you know the late 1800s early 1900s when everyone was doing a lot of opium and they were like (laughs) this is you know pulling on my subconscious in this certain way and represents blah 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 So like, you know, Max Ernst is a perfect example of this. If you want to look up his art where they would like allow the craggy bits to turn into rocks. And this is a lot of how surrealism is born. He doesn't exactly like pull on the frittage method that he's, I think, maybe possibly used here in the uh, like on the right side and the lower portion of the canvas here. But I think it is interesting he uses it at all uh, to create this kind of like three-dimensional realm that can't really be read. Mm -hmm. And the 
only area that's really created with um, like color modulation. And when I say that, I mean, he uses color to create a sense of depth uh, use, uh, around the petals. Mm-hmm. And they're very like, they have a real weighty presence, these petals, right? Mm. Like they, they almost look like birds with their wings folded or something. So he forefronts the flower against this completely like hallucinogenic uh, <laughs> background in a way that is, I guess, sort of interesting. But when you when you talk about like the history of the black lotus and the importance of this flower and it being very blue to my eye anyway, he's not someone who cared about like the autonomy of what an actual black lotus meant, but he's someone who like definitely pretty quickly threw together a card where the flower would be prominent and would be beautiful and would be almost like meaty and very like embodied in its presence mm-hmm. so that's my take on this excellent mm-hmm. all right we can move on all right guys you ready for power hour we're yeah power hour yes. for these next ones. rapid fire right we're gonna do shots after each one pat you ready I've been drinking, man. I'm good. Dakota's just shaking her head now. All right. This next one is is always brought up as one of the most gruesome magic arts of all time. Uh, We have Macabre Waltz by Jim Murphy. This is just like my prom. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) What was that? What was that horror movie with the... Carrie? uh, Yeah, Carrie. (laughs) Pat's prom was Carrie. (laughs) Yeah, I was Carrie. Didn't work out. (laughs) Didn't work out well. Oh my god, this is gruesome. It's a lot of Kool-Aid they're yeah, wasting. Uh, like these two these two like corpses. So. These two corpses at the bottom of a well and they're like doing uh a tango almost. Uh, they look they think their they're skulls are very alienoid. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. Very the bone. guy, I don't know, his torso looks like very filled in. Like he's maybe a little bit older. This guy is a crossfitter. Uh, he's all upper body. He's got no legs. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's ripped. His upper body's right. pretty ripped. His legs look like licorice, like almost delicious. And then yeah. you get to the top part and you're like, no, thank you. Like sweet and sour pork. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> the color. And the woman, look at her freaking bulbous head. That mm. is interesting. There's a lot of blood pouring off. Of it. Mm-hmm. Gross. I would say effective in how repulsed I feel. Mm. What always gets me whenever I look at this, my eye is always drawn to the fact that she's like reaching up and caressing his head almost lovingly, but then she's just like fingering his eyeball. Mm. Yeah. I don't they're think they're not going to have a carefree relationship. I think no. that they're both into the kind of like masochistic thing. It looks like they're this- they're like finger posturing is too a little too tense for me to think that they're ever going to chill. Mm. I, I, it reminds me of the Cenobites from uh, Hellraiser a little bit, mm. right? A little bit, yeah. I see that. The rocks right. in the background are very detailed, though. Mm. I'm sort of surprised <laughs> by that. They are. They're like all. Um, they're some of them almost look like their faces, like mm. they're watching on. Mm. Mm. True. All right. all right. Shot. Let's move on. All right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh yeah, here's another good one. <laughs> Jerry's just giggling, giggling. 
Uh, this this was uh this is another one that was recommended for worst magic art of all time. Uh, Coils of Medusa by Darbury Stenderu. When I look at this piece, so my local mall, what they used to do is uh they would always have like little art galleries where they would put up on little bulletin boards throughout the mall uh the art from like the local elementary school, and I feel like this this piece would fit right in there. Yeah, like, this feels like a fifth grader who just was the fifth grader who in history classes learned doing their Greek mythology uh, lesson. And this is what they decided to draw as part of their Greek mythology lesson. I don't like the snake tails are in her. Like I always imagined like the bodies of the snakes come from her head and then it goes to the heads. And she's got like a couple tails in there, which I don't like. Cause it makes me also feel like she has snake heads growing out of her, out of her head, but also snake tails growing out of her head. That's which are, a great point. Which are less scary to me. Um, also, it looks like she just dropped her ice cream cone in the ground. That's what the yes! face looks like to me, right? Yeah. Like, oh man! This is like Damn it. now I gotta go back to the window but and get not scoop. terribly upset. Yeah. Like she, her, her uh, anxiety is very moderate. Yeah. In this, I, I would wonder. Say. She probably eats Rocky Road. I'd say she's a Rocky Road girl. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh man, I dropped my I dropped my ice cream, but I was cheating on my diet anyways. So maybe <laughs> yeah. <it's> for the <laughs> best. <laughs> my God, yeah. her eyebrow also goes down her this nose. this <laughs> yeah, is definitely a guy them. who's never had to thread Just his own brows before right like this is a guy who's never this, had to Medu- fill in this his is own like eyebrows. this is like if medusa and frida had a child <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent uh, yeah right. it's not not great but sort of fun so i dig it shot all right let's go let's go <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna oh my god what <laughs> What is this? What is this? Oh what is going on? Tonight. Oh. <laughs> All right. So now we All have right. Scavenger Folk. This is an early card, too, right, Jerry? I think this is from Homelands, okay. if I want to. Or maybe uh, Fallen Empires. Great set. It's definitely from, like, definitely from, like, one of the first set magic sets. Mm. Scavenger Folk <laughs> by Denise Detweiler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So to give you some background about this card, Dakota, the basic premise is that like it, uh, you can like eat creatures in your graveyard. Ba- basically, this is a cannibal. What, what we're looking at is a cannibal. Uh, that's really horrible. I think <laughs> this is the lady's hand from Animate Wall. <laughs> it's got the white sleeves, got the, the weird thumb way behind the palm. The, the, what strikes me about this is the eyes, just like the bug eyes. Mm. Mm. He's like, oh yeah, mm. I chomped down on this hand. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I like the colors though. Like it looks like this person's doing this in the middle of the day. It's not nighttime. It's like <laughs> six a.m. This lady's getting down on some arm meat. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's not his arm. That's not their arm. That's oh their arm. <laughs> my god! Oh my god! That! Oh my god! Because I was totally going to be like the proportions are all weird. Yeah. <laughs> coloring. No, their portion oh size is actually my perfect. God! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! That is so messed. Oh, up. you know what? I didn't realize this person. I don't think they're a cannibal, Jerry. No. The. He this scavenger is holding a ring in its other hand and looking at the ring. Oh, I think this is oh, a grave that, it looks robber. like the the hand it's holding up has its like ring finger. Extended. I think this is a grave robber, not a cannibal. Oh, true, true. I have never noticed that right, ring. You guys are better than I times. am. 
Interesting. I really His like... eyes aren't quite looking at the the ring, though. They're sort of like looking off into the They're a little the cross-eyed. They're a little cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah. This is an inbred, I think. I'm, I do really like it. the sky colors in the background, though. I really like the, the, the fading. It's daytime, man. I'm telling you. That's sunrise. That's sunrise. Sunrise. So, uh, this is weird. This is very weird. <laughs> All right, we're I capping don't, it. Like, are we going to call this art? Do I have to weigh in on this? <laughs> no, you don't have to. <laughs> You just got to pour yourself another shot and we're going to move on. All right, let's go. What I what I like is that the, this artist used watercolor and none of the others have so far. Mm. Oh, first watercolor. Watercolor Excellent. is a very difficult medium and mm. this person did a good job with it. Mm. So kudos to them. Let's not talk about it anymore. <laughs> this this next ears. art is awesome. So Mark, so Mark Poole, another very oh famous God. magic artist, very beloved Probably not one of his better pieces, Indestructible Aura by Mark Poole. <laughs> I feel like this is was painted on the side of a 1980s van. It's painted on the side of my van, bro. That's a my van. <laughs> yeah. Pat has this painted on the side of his van. Oh, it's so good. I wish I I wish that I were as confident as this raven human or whatever it is. It's weird. Like, right? It has like insect legs human arms a bird head and weird yeah. bat wings it is like i thought i always thought what's those were like the refuse that's like flying into the orange area too i don't know what that is yeah i just love that he's doing like the devil the devil's horns in each hand <laughs> he's just like yeah. yeah he's like i'm going to a metal concert <laughs> metallica Woo! yeah <laughs> this is shit this is absolute drag. <laughs> straight, straight shit. <laughs> yeah. This is, it would be very difficult to call this art, I think. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. That bird head is so detailed. That bird head is so detailed. <laughs> yep. Agreed, but no. <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> and I really do have to say. Under any other circumstances, I would have done a ton of research and I would have known everything about each of these artists and I would have been able to speak to their accomplishments outside of the world of magic. But it has been sort of liberating to look at these and just not know anything that's going on Mm. and just be like, what do they want us to take away from this? Yeah. Because I imagine that's how a lot of magic players feel too mm-hmm. yeah when you also it literally like for a lot of people their first time seeing the art is they buy a booster pack at their local store they tear the foil away and they start flipping through the 15 cards that come in mm-hmm. that booster pack and looking at the art mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting to me that you did say like they're trying to be a little bit more consistent about their their aesthetic or mm-hmm. whatever Mm-hmm. But what you've shown me has been so incredibly varied, and I keep it. I mm-hmm. I sort of hope that they return to that because I think that that's so interesting and gives you. I would expect. I mean, not that I've ever played a game of Magic or anything, but um, these sort of like ups and downs when you're looking at the cards and. Some of them are very evocative and some of them are more like humorous or, you know, like just really cheesy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a ride to look at them all. Yeah. Um, 
and think about the role that they play also in the game. Speak. You said you said cheesy. I do just want to uh, show you one more piece oh, then, geez. Dakota. Okay. All right. So this card is called the cheese stands alone. Oh, jeez. <laughs> is the name of this this piece of art. So this is uh, if you scroll down, the cheese stands alone, which was part of their oh. joke set. They've they've oh released God. a couple sets that were mainly based on puns and jokes. And so all the artwork for them was always very lighthearted and funny. And uh, this is super cheese. This is super cheddar, saving uh, super cheddar. saving all the brie and camembert he can. So not legal in normal games of magic, but just kind of oh, like a fun. Yeah, these they were basically joke sets mm-hmm. where the 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 company was just like, here's like just some ridiculous stuff that's not really part of the real game, but here's just some like wacky things that we think you'd have fun with. And this is one of those pieces. I think it's very fun. And I'll also say, like, what's interesting to me about this is if you compare this with the last thing that we looked at, or no, sorry, like the bird guy, the bird guy. Uh, uh, Indestructible Aura by Mark Poole. Yeah. Like, why is this more ridiculous and harder to take? (laughs) Why is is Indestructible Aura in the real game and the cheese stands alone is not? Good question. That's a good point. Good question. That's a good point. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, this has been a ton of fun. I had so much fun, Dakota. I did not know what to expect from this. This is Jerry's brainchild because I've done one uh, episode before where where we did an art review. It was just me drinking alone and talking about the artwork and it was kind of a fan favorite um but uh but this has been fantastic i've had so much fun with this yeah thank you very much for having me before we go though dakota of all the art we've seen tonight the the very limited window of magic art that you have and i hope this episode may inspires you to take a look at some of the other magic art they've actually come out with a few magic art books that are really good and i think you'd really like the kaladesh art uh, architecture one of all the art we looked at tonight, uh, which one would you say is, which one is A, your favorite, and not necessarily the same one, which one would you say is just the best one artistically? Okay, my favorite is the first one by Faye Jones. Stasis? Yes. Good choice. Nice. Like, that is nice. also my favorite art. I would art. say if I were going to have one to live with in my home or whatever, it would be that one for sure. Actually, a priceless painting. The person who currently owns Stasis has said they refuse to sell it. Sure, I'm sure it's priceless. They refuse to sell it. They've been offered a lot of money, and they have turned down every offer. They said they will never, they will never sell this piece. And it was actually a gift. the The piece was gifted to them. Very interesting. Richard Garfield keeping it in the family with with the most with the most impressive art that we've seen tonight. Uh, well, no, is is Stasis also what you would say is the technically the the technically best art you would say? So I don't know what mediums were used, and I have to say that would have a lot to do with it because digital art has a very different, you know, like set of requirements than using a paintbrush. Mm-hmm. But assuming they all were using more traditional methods. I am very drawn to Dead of Winter by Zach Sella. Mm. I think oh, that my favorite artist. I I really like this one. I think that the contrasts in it are pretty impeccable. Um, the rendering of you know body forms, um, the use of heightened 
activity and, um, you know, color and composition very subtly, but also very impactfully. I think that this is a really strong work of art. Mm. So assuming that this is done using paint, I think that I would have to say this is the winner for me. Are you are you saying that just because I told you I would send this episode to Zach Stella to listen to? No, <laughs> so he chose his piece. no believe it or not, I already <laughs> forgot that. <laughs> Zach Stella, what up? Well, Give me a call. I have some <laughs> artists for you. Definitely interested. <laughs> that well, that was awesome, Dakota. Thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute yeah. Pleasure thank to have you, you both Absolutely. a lot. It was very fun. I'm glad you. I'm glad you had fun. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you. Or find or kind of like see what you're what you're doing professionally. Where can they do that? Um, well, I have a poorly kept Instagram account that can be found at the Cochen, which is D A K O T C H E N. Um, and that's kind of it, actually. Yeah. What about the New York pub? The public art. What's do you have any? Uh, I know oh, COVID, public public art fund is like humming along we've got projects that just went up at LaGuardia we have lots of other exciting projects for the future that I am not permitted to speak about but keep an eye out for sure um nice yeah I I hope that everyone will go to their local museums as soon as they open up and fund the arts wherever they can there are a lot of fantastic fundraisers in fact Jerry sent me some info about a magic related fundraiser it has to do with black awesome. lives matter jerry maybe you want to say a little tidbit about that there are a ton of different fundraisers like that going around that i think are very worthy of attention right now yes awesome. uh i think the auctions have already closed but the uh the magic arts group on uh facebook which is kind of where people buy and sell magic art uh they did a charity drive where they had a bunch of original magic art up for auction and all proceeds went to uh, various black lives matter charities. That um, is awesome. So yeah, there's definitely, if maybe this will inspire some of our listeners to get more involved with uh, kind of the magic art groups, but uh, they have some great stuff going on. Awesome. All right. Well, um, let's get out of here. Cause we've, this episode has gone super long, but it's been awesome. Really fun. Really fun. Um, you can follow the podcast at LALMDG. Follow Jerry at JMEE3RD on Twitter. You can follow me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. Uh, find us on Patreon. We're on Hipsters. Join the Facebook group. And as always, shout out to Justin Lutz. He's our audio tech sound engineer and the uh, owner of the Stasis painting, I believe. <laughs> yep, Justin Lutz. Uh, he actually paint. He's actually Richard Garfield's aunt. Little known fact, Just, Justin, our editor. That's a strong beard for an aunt, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Strong beard for an aunt. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's awesome. he, yeah, he's good. He's good. <laughs> all right, well, thanks everyone for hanging out. We're gonna catch you all next Great. week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Have a good night. Bye, <laughs> Dakota. Thank you. <laughs> Come on,